But this has been on my heart for a while to speak about these things, and uh, it's it, it's it's relevant for everybody, every family here. Even if you're not batting with some of these things yourself, it is huge. There are just so many people um, inside the church, the body of Christ, who has uh, a broken sexuality, and it's influencing them. It's it's affecting relationships, and. Uh, so I want to go in there. So basically, I'm going to start with the good, then we're going to go into the bad, and then we're going to go into the good news. Okay, how about that? That's a nice outline there for you. The good. It all began in a garden when God made a man and a woman to be together. It was called paradise, and, uh, and they were naked. So I'm thinking man, woman, garden, naked, paradise. Yes, come on, this is good, and amazing, I'm like, when I was like, okay, God, so you, you can't just leave them alone like that naked, you know what could happen, you know, and the amazing thing is God says, it's good, I've, I'm the author, I'm the author of sexual intimacy, I am the one who designed man and woman to become one, and so in that place, in that garden, we see man's greatest desire. Every man, every woman's greatest desire is intimacy. Intimacy with another human being and also intimacy with God. That, that, that's what we crave. Everybody's craving. We crave love. We crave affection. We desire relationship. And I'm sure many men would say sex. Yes. You may smile. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so but it, it's just important to... to, to to get up the, the picture right, it all starts from God. It is good. Every good gift comes from God, comes from heaven above. And so I'm like thinking about it. I'm thinking I, I heard someone say that I, I'm going to prove to you that God exists. It's called S-E-X. Huh? What do you mean? If you think about it, how God designed a man and a woman the, the, the intimate part of it is just incredible to, to experience the unity that there is between a man and woman in marriage who, who are united on an emotional level and, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, hearts that love one another. And then the pinnacle of love, if, if you have a relationship and you call it a mountain, then you have a trusted relationship, you have mutual respect and honor, you would have um, all these things building up to, to a place of intimacy. And then the pinnacle would be sexual intimacy. But if you remove the rest, if you remove sexual intimacy from that context, it, it's not so good. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get into that in a, in, in a moment. God is three parts. He is God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's made us in His image. So you are three-part being. You are soul, spirit, and body. When a man and a woman have sexual intimacy, they become united on three levels. Emotionally, physically, but also spiritually. There's a deep, deep connection that happens between a man and a woman. And that's why it's so devastating when you walk away from such a relationship or you just have sex with someone and you walk away. It, it, it brings a devastation on the inside. Okay, but every man, every woman... On the face of this earth desires intimacy. Intimacy with God and intimacy with another human being, especially in a marital relationship. 
And people are craving it, craving it, craving it, craving it. And we're wired for it. And in the garden, it's revealed. God made a man and a woman, put them together. They were partners. They were, they were, they were made for one another. And they had this incredible intimacy with God as well. So God would walk in the garden with them and they'd have this amazing, unfettered relationship. It's like there was, there, were no, there was no sin in the garden. So there was this unfettered relationship between man and God and man and woman. Until things went wrong. Until evil entered that garden. Until evil entered that garden. So on the next slide you will see, it says there's sex in the right, yeah, I'm saying it's sex. Can you see, in church, can you imagine it? Sex in the right context is a gift from God that bonds a man and woman together like nothing else. In the right context, in a loving relationship where there's mutual respect, God gave our sexuality to us as glue. It's the most powerful bond to connect a man and a woman and make them one. Powerful bonding agent. Powerful bonding agent. So in the right context, it's this incredible gift from God. Now, sex doesn't equal intimacy. It doesn't equal. You can't say sex equals intimacy, but that's what the world is saying. In the right context of a covenant marriage, I said trustful relationship, yes, it does then become the pinnacle of intimacy. Some of us who are not married, or maybe some of us are married, might say, yeah, but... You know, sex in marriage is like boring, you know. The exciting stuff is outside. Not so. Not so. The most amazing, incredible sexual intimacy is only in that context where there's mutual respect and love and intimacy, and then it builds to that beautiful place of sexual intimacy, the pinnacle. So it says in James 1, 17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Say good. Say and perfect. Okay, so every good and perfect thing is a gift. This gift comes down from our God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Our God is good. He is incredibly good. And He's given us incredible gifts to bless our intimacy, to bless our relationships on earth. And in that garden, there's this picture of intimacy. Intimacy. No unfettered relationship, intimacy between man, woman, and man, and God. I want to use it as a metaphor this morning. There's another garden, and God wants to restore that garden. That garden is your mind and your heart. Your heart your mind is a garden. And God wants to come and dwell in that garden. And in that garden, we can plant seeds. If you plant good seeds, truth, good things, it builds a beautiful environment where God can come and dwell. But if you take toxic seed and you come and plant toxic seeds in your heart and mind, another type of weed begins to grow, and then evil comes and dwells on the hearts and minds of people. Okay, so that's important. That's the the context. There's a garden. Your heart and mind is a garden, and there are seeds. But it's all about intimacy. God is fighting for your heart, fighting for my heart. He wants relationship with you. Unfettered, nothing distracting, nothing blocking. 
that relationship. And so everything we take in, everything you see with your eyes, everything you hear, things you speak, things you do, things in your imagination, they're all seeds. They're all seeds. What you meditate on, what you ponder, what you, when you close your eyes, the things, the images you see or the fantasies you have, they are either good for you or they become toxic and they create an environment on the inside of you that either allows God to dwell with you or evil to dwell with you. Okay, so I'm sure we want God to dwell with us, don't we? <laughs> yes. So where did things go wrong? If, if sex and sexuality comes from God, where did it go wrong? Well, also in the garden. The devil came in, evil came in, and distorted truth. With, he released toxic lies. And this distorted things. I'm sure many of us can share stories. In my line of work, you often speak to people in counseling scenarios, and they tell you things, and it, it, it breaks your heart. Things that they've been through. Things that have been done to them. Things that they have done that they feel so ashamed about. That brought pain and, and destruction into their lives. All of us can tell stories, I'm sure, of, of things that would, would, could break our hearts. So what evil... Now this is important to understand. The devil is not a creator. Evil cannot create anything. God is the creator. He creates... And he gives good gifts. What does evil do? Evil perverts the good. You must get this. Evil distorts. Evil turns the good into bad. You know, sometimes you speak to people and say they absolutely hate the idea of sexual intimacy or sex in general. Just, no, I don't want anything because of all the things that's happened. And if you don't deal with those things of the past, it will influence your relationships today. It will influence your relationships today. So the enemy came and he redefined sexuality. He changed the context. He sold us a bunch of lies. So I want to show you a video clip in terms of the history of pornography. So we're going to get into porn. Porn kills. That's the focus, but you can apply it wider in terms of its impact on, on, on people. So let's show the video. Born, we are given a world built on the decisions of previous generations. A world created by their choices, some good and some bad. Decisions are constantly made without the knowledge of how they will affect us, our society, and our world. But what if we did know the effects? What if we could make choices now that would someday lead to a better world? Every person has a choice. We choose what we buy, what we wear, what we say, and what we do. These choices contribute to an ever-growing swell that drives the course of society, eventually defining an entire generation. But it all starts with one choice from one person. Two generations ago, society began making choices that have shaped today's understanding of pornography. In 1948, Dr. Alfred Kinsey published a best-selling book that suggested that all forms of sexual behavior should be normalized and that people should pursue all sexual urges regardless of age. Businessmen capitalized on this new idea and porn magazines hit the newsstands. Many became convinced that it was cool, harmless, and a gentleman's pursuit. Then, in 1993, came the internet. And like a tidal wave, pornography flooded the World Wide Web as a generation became consumed. And now, 
for the first time in history, hardcore pornography can be accessed from anywhere and at any time. So what does this mean for our generation? Through new innovations in brain technology, psychology, and sociology, we now know the truth about pornography. Porn is like a drug. It can rewire the brain, form addictions, alter views about sex, objectify the human body, fuel the demand for sex slavery, and reshape society as a whole. Pornography is often violent and abusive, a degrading lie that distorts the very meaning of healthy relationships and love. We are the first generation in the history of the world to face the issue of pornography to this intensity and scale. We are also the first generation with a science-based understanding of the harm pornography can do. And with that knowledge, we feel the responsibility to share it with others. We are determined to be the generation who pursues real love and rejects its hollow counterfeit. We will fight this new drug, and we will not rest until the world knows that pornography is harmful. Okay, I'm going to explain in a, in a moment why it kills so much. But evil distorts the good and then uses it against us. Alfred Kinsley was a pervert. He was a closet homosexual and he did a load of weird things, weird things, even, as I understand, even with children. And so his wonderful ideas became the foundation of our understanding of sexuality. I mean, that's scary. That is scary. So pornography can kill. I just want to read this verse, James 1, 14 to 17. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. So temptation comes and it uses our own desires, our legitimate desires for intimacy but also then what happens is we receive these toxic seeds that are sown into the soil of our hearts and it stirs ungodly desires. And as it says there, it can, it can drag us away. Say it, drag us away. Okay, so when, when sin is allowed to, when that seed, that toxic seed is planted in the soil of our hearts and it grows and it grows and it grows, it says, and sin brings forth Death. Destruction to self, but also destruction to those around us. And you, we need to understand this. There are so many people that I've spoken to, that, and, and, and the scripture says it, don't be deceived about it. Don't, do not be deceived. I was, there are so many stories that can be told. I was exposed to pornography at the age of around 12. I was in a, my parents were divorced. I was in a, a, another place. I was in the house. And I was, you know, like a 12-year-old boy, I don't know what to do. And I heard a voice. I heard a voice tell me, go and look under the bed. Just had this feeling, go and look under the bed. Go and look under the bed. I think, oh, well, that's weird. So I went and looked under the bed, and I found four hardcore pornography magazines. Hardcore pornography magazines. And I remember when I opened these pages, it was like shock. For a 12-year-old innocent, I've had no exposure to any weird stuff, like Shock hit me. It was like, what is this? What do I do with this? 
this is, and I remember like this heat coming down upon me and my heart beating. I was scared. I was afraid. And I, and I, and something came upon me in that moment. You see, I believe there was an evil spirit that whispered to me, go and look under the bed. And I did. Who goes and looks under a bed? You don't do that. Let's walk around. Let's go look under people's beds. And when I opened that magazine, when, when I saw these toxic images, suddenly it ac- gave access to evil into my life. And a, and a journey of corruption ensued. Within a very short time, I became an incredibly rebellious, foul-mouthed, difficult, angry, hate-filled young man. And I wasn't until that time. It almost destroyed me. You know, and so many other people can tell these stories. And I'm sharing it specifically because we need to know if you're battling on some level, you're not alone. Thank you, Jesus. He saved me and he's healed me. And I'm walking in 100% complete victory. Not saying I'm not being tempted sometimes, but I'm walking in freedom. Okay. But many of us or some of us feel we're the only ones. And there's a lot of shame that comes with sexual sin. There's a lot of shame that comes with it. And so many people are just looking on, 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 on post, online posts where people say, I don't know what to do. I'm bound. I've been in this for years. I can't get out. Posting on Christian sites saying, help me, help me, help me. I'm drowning, like that image says. And so they have found that pornography is like a drug, like cocaine or heroin. And it is one click away. You see, you don't need to go look under someone's bed anymore. You don't need to go and look under someone's bed to find a porn magazine. You can open any phone, any tablet, any PC, and most TVs as well. The type of stuff that's coming through is horrific. It's one click away. It's one click away to our children. And the stats in terms of children, it's scary. They say at least 75% of all children by the age of 18 will have had exposure to pornography. It's a real, it's a, it's a killer, it's an epidemic, it's a pandemic. And so there's this massive clash. You know, I, I honestly, I hate pornography. I hate because it, it destroys your life. It steals everything from you. Instead of being a loving person, you become a lustful person. Instead of being able to connect with God, it disconnects you from God. And we need to talk about it. We need to get into the light. Amen. Come on. So let me just show you the difference between the gospel, good seed, and the porn culture, which is the toxic seed. The gospel says, this is my body, which is given for you. Porn culture says, this is her body or his body taken by me. The good seed says, repent, turn. From evil, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Porn culture says, the toxic seed says, relax. There's nothing wrong with your fantasies. That is such a lie. It's a lie that says, not so bad, you know. Only a little bit here and there. I can stop any time. It will kill you. And I'll explain to you in a moment why. The gospel says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. The porn culture says, your life is found in your hidden adventures online. 
Your life is found in your hidden adventures online. The, the lie, the toxic lie that this culture is telling us is, if you want intimacy, just have sex or porn. And you're going to have intimacy. It's a lie. So many ladies who, who desire intimacy say, I'm going to give myself to this guy because I so want his love. I so want his affection. I so want intimacy. And so they give themselves to the guy. But what do they find? Disappointment, pain, shame, not intimacy. Sex isn't intimacy. Intimacy is only when you have a mutual trust relationship in the confines of a marriage. It's God's way. God's way. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. So George Orwell, the quote on the screen says, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Even if the whole world has gone mad, speak the truth in any case. Even if the whole world has gone mad, because it is, if you start reading what's happening, if you start reading what's happening in churches, that's how I call this message XXX Church, because the world was over here, and the world over the last 50 years, it's moved down. In terms of morality. Now the church was over here. But as the world has moved. We've moved along. And I say no more. We must take a stand for the truth. We must take a stand for what is true. And sets people free. I mean. It breaks my heart. When one of the biggest church groups. Denominations in this country. Whose leadership. Has now decided. That it is okay for the leader, the shepherd of the flock to be a practicing homosexual. 1.7 million members of this church family, church group. The leadership says the leader of the local congregation is allowed to be a practicing homosexual. Now guys, I love people. I love people, whatever they're battling with. But if we move down there, we have no moral authority. Zero moral authority. So I'm thinking that pastor, um, uh, let me ask you this. If I would lose, leave my wife, and uh, I would say, hey, guys, sorry, I realized I was just gay forever, and uh, get my boyfriend together and say, he really loves Jesus, we're going to be the pastors now of this church. Who's leaving? I'm leaving. <laughs> if... You have no moral authority. The church of Jesus Christ is the only true moral voice. Most laws of the countries of the world are based on the Judeo-Christian principle. That's why we have those laws. Because there's a standard of truth. But if people are so confused about these things, and if you say, that is fine, everything goes. It's removing the boundaries. There are no more walls. Evil will flood in and destroy. That is the truth. So we will not move from God's word, from his will. The whole world can go mad, but we're going to stand. I have tasted as a teenager the, the destruction of porn. The destruction of sexual sin. The destruction of lust. It is undeniable. We must take a stand for what is true. We must take a stand for what is true.
Amen. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. So let's become revolutionary. Amen. Take a stand for the truth. So there's this massive slide and God wants us to come back. So evil, what evil has done is they've taken this powerful God-given agent to bond a man and a woman inside marriage, your sexuality. It's God-given. He bonds a man and woman together. But now what the enemy's done is using that same agent to cause men and women to bond with others, especially through the porn culture. And it's destroying lives. It is destroying lives. 50%, they say 50% of divorces in, in the U.S. directly related to pornography. And we have the same access. We watch the same movies. We watch the same TV shows. It's the same culture. 50% of divorces directly related to pornography. God's gift of intimacy has been perverted and turned to disconnect and destroy. So how bad is it? Well, I'm taking the, the, the smaller stats. 60% plus of men, they say it's much worse amongst teenagers, battle with Christian, Christian men. 30% plus of women battle with it. And it's come to our attention that more and more ladies are battling with it. But not like men are visually stimulated, ladies are more emotionally stimulated. So it's erotic novels, Fifty Shades of Grey, bestseller list. Ladies are, 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 are devouring it. And then saying, this is reality. It's not reality. I mean, I, I, I listened to an interview with the actors of the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. And the lady would say it was horrific. I mean, in the middle of the, of the scenes where he would throw her, on, throw her around and do all these things. It was terrible. She says she wanted to run away. But hey, woo, it's amazing. Because it's acting. It's toxic. It's a lie. It's not nice. It's not intimacy. It's not wonderful. It's a lie from the pit of hell, but it's, it's, it's being sold as this is the real deal. So I want to show you a video of a lady, a testimony video. Shelley hates a, 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 a lady who, who battled pornography and, and her story. Serious problem for decades, and it's only become worse in the internet age. Addition has skyrocketed, even among Christian men. You may think pornography is just a problem for the males, but there's an author who lives near Pikes Peak here in Colorado who will tell you these days it's definitely a problem for the females as well. A problem that turned personal for Christian writer and lecturer Shelley Hitz. For years, she secretly battled her own addiction, too ashamed and afraid to confess it. We were in ministry. My husband was in full-time ministry. We were active in our church. You know, I knew better. And so every time I would get beat up and hammered by the enemy and by myself. It started off soft core, but Shelley likens it to the parable of a frog put in a cool pot of water that slowly boils to death as the heat slowly increases. If Satan would have come to me and said, Shelly, look at this hardcore porn, I would have been like that frog in that pot of boiling water. I would have jumped out. I said, no way. After years of feeling trapped and disgusted, she found the courage to confess to husband CJ. And I said, I need help. I can't stop. I'm, I don't know what to do, but I know I, this is going to destroy me. It could destroy our marriage. And I asked him if I could go to counseling. Then came another surprise for Shelly. CJ was battling his own years-long porn addiction. But I was able to, to easily show her grace because I felt so dirty myself and realizing the shame 
and the ugliness of the addiction. But he had never planned to tell his wife. And there's no way I can let Shelly know this because uh, she'll, she'll just feel hurt. He finally opened up and they began a steady battle to heal their marriage. They repented, asked forgiveness, and leaned more on God than ever before. This Colorado couple's next steps included filters on computers, carefully guarding their senses, and most important, enlisting accountability partners. Somebody that I knew I could trust, that I knew would show me grace, but would ask me the hard questions. There is healing that comes when you're able to share it with a brother that can pray with you, someone that can even relate to your struggle. After counseling came deliverance. Then Shelley, sensed God, wanted her to take the most difficult step of all, going public. That was 10 years ago. And then this year, I finally obeyed. <laughs> that led to the book, A Christian Woman's Guide to Breaking Free from Pornography. Shelly also began to confess during lectures to Christian women and young ladies. Every time I would share it, it, it never failed. A woman, a teen girl, someone would come up to me and many times confess for the first time that, you know, that they also struggle. One young lady in particular shocked Shelly with what she had to say. I am on a Christian college campus. I am the... Um, the chaplain, and she said almost every girl on our floor struggles with pornography. The growth of this addiction across American society led the Christian-based Witherspoon Institute to seek a solution with some of the world's foremost authorities, among them leading marriage and family therapist Jill Manning. Females consistently, we find, are, represent approximately 30% of Internet pornography consumers, a third, essentially. For their book, Shelley and her co-author surveyed Christian women and came up with stunning numbers. 19% of Christian women and teen girls that say they're not just exposed to it, but they're addicted. And then of those that said that they were exposed to pornography, 44% said they felt hopeless in overcoming it. But Shelley and CJ are a living testimony people willing to fight their way out can overcome. I have been there. Christ has set me free. It has not been an easy path. It's been difficult. I still at times struggle, but there is freedom. And they say this freedom has brought a new level of intimacy to their marriage. There's an ecstasy and a peace and a joy and an elation that pornography never will bring. So the message, the good news is, no matter how deep you're in, no matter how addicted, there's hope. There's deliverance. Paul Strand, CBN News, reporting Amen. from Colorado. Okay, so you would see on the, the notes that you have on your, on your chairs, you would see, I'm not going to go through those things, but it gives some tips and things. You can look in terms of accountability, pulling out weeds, and then building some protective walls around your life. Okay, but you, you know, I've gave some specific uh, suggestions for putting filters on computers, types of apps you can use on your phone um, for the family. Yeah, honestly, you know, um, any family without filters, any, person, any, any family without filters on their computers, you, 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 you're committing suicide for your kids. Most kids are exposed at the age of 11 already, um, accidentally as well. So you need to, so I gave, gave, gave some, we put down some tips and things there. Okay, Josh McDowell says, this is probably the greatest threat to the cause of Christ in 2,000 years of church history because it so undermines your life, your walk with Christ, and your beliefs. Undermines your life. It starts to darken the door of the brain to consider truths of the Christian faith 
So it darkens your mind. It darkens your heart. It takes over your thinking, your morals, and your life. You have to understand pornography just takes over your life. Any sexual addiction or any other addiction takes over your life. And as a result, it doesn't leave room for your walk with Christ. It is destructive. It is destructive. It takes over. It says that you have to understand pornography just takes over your life. Josh McDowell is a very respected church leader, apologist. And, uh, and I found in my counseling with guys... I know ladies battle as well, but in my counseling with guys, some guys are so deep in it that they don't know how to get out anymore. There are guys who, who have left the church. That there's just no space for Jesus in their lives anymore because they can't go to bed at night without looking at porn and masturbating every night of their lives. Some of them, they're absolutely addicted and it's destroying their relationships. It's disconnecting them from God. It is an addiction like heroin, but we have millions and millions and millions of them and nobody's talking nobody's admitting but we should we must get into the lights and we must put things in place to protect our families our ourselves so 1 corinthians 6 18 19 it says flee sexual immorality say flee so if it's there you run the other direction Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Say own body. Sexual sin sins against your own body. I'll explain in a moment why. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, God wants to come and dwell in that garden. God wants to come and dwell in the garden of your heart and mind. That's where he wants to dwell. The Holy Spirit wants to live on the inside of you. But if these toxic seeds are running the show and these toxic plants, there's no space for God. So you need to flee. In other words, don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. Because what do we do? You're watching a movie and you're saying, ah, it's not that bad. I mean, that one moment was quite good. Whew, the race, the other 80% is shocking. But I, I can handle this. I can handle this. And when the end, temptation comes, the toxic seeds are planted in the soil of your heart. It grows and produces death. It produces death. So don't trust yourself. Trust in God and flee sexual sin. So why do you sin against your body? Because you make your body a slave. Now, this is any, you must apply wherever you might find yourself, whatever. It can be any addiction, anything like that. So let's just quickly look at this. Three things. The impact... On porn, of porn on the brain, physically. This is just science. This is not from the scriptures, just what the science shows. First of all, it desensitizes, it causes you to become desensitized to pleasure. So if you watch pornography, what basically happens is, it's like a toxic, the soil in your heart and mind becomes toxic. In other words, nothing can live there anymore. It says, just want to read this to you. When sexually stimulated, dopamine is released into a region of the brain responsible for emotion and learning. Dopamine supplies a great sense of pleasure. The next time the viewer gets the itch for more sexual gratification, small packets of dopamine are released in the brain saying, remember where you got your fix last time. Go there to get it. In other words, it's like uh, uh, your body... It's like a, you become addicted to the dopamine and it says, hey, that was great last time. Go back there. Go back there. Go back there. Okay? Now, in the context of a secure marital relationship, this push to return to the source of pleasure 
brings couples back together again and again in sexual intimacy, building a bond of love. So it's God-given. It should be that I should desire my wife. I sh- that, that should, remember, like, you know where. Go home. You know? That was supposed to, to, to be like. Yet continued exposure to porn causes the brain to fatigue, limiting the release of dopamine, leaving the viewer wanting more but unable to reach a level of satisfaction. This is called desensitization. Okay, say it, desensitization. <laughs> And if you don't need help with this, you can help someone else with this. It's valid for everybody. It's basically so what happens, everyday pleasures begin to lose their luster, including sex. And the viewer expands their pornographic taste and seeks out harder pornography to get the same arousal. So it pulls you in deeper and deeper and deeper. I've listened to stories of, of parents saying, they're, they're finding out their children were involved in it for years and they had no idea. No idea. But it's been happening. So what happens is, first of all, you become desensitized to pleasure. You don't enjoy life anymore because inside it just says, I want that, I want that, I want that. Secondly, you become hypersensitized to lust. So if, you, if the garden of your soul, if there is this like pathways in the garden of your soul or in your brain that's being developed. So the more you get exposure to lustful uh, images the bigger these pathways become. So it says, while the brain becomes desensitized to pleasure in general, it becomes hypersensitive to various sexual triggers. So anything triggers it. Literal changes in the structure of the brain happens. Neural paths, it's like a path created through the garden of your brain. Over time, these neural paths become wider as they are repeatedly traveled with each exposure to pornography. They become the automatic pathway through which interactions with men or women are routed. The neural circuitry anchors this process solidly in the brain. With each, listen to this, with each lingering stare, pornography deepens the Grand Canyon-like gorge in the brain through which images of men or women are destined to flow. And so the more a person masturbates to pornography, the wider the superhighway becomes, developing more and more on-ramps. Sexual cues are everywhere, and they all lead to the same place. So basically what happens is your brain gets wired, and anything triggers it. Not just for a guy, not just a lady that's dressing provocatively, but it's, there's a lady. <laughs> you're triggered, and you're in trouble. And so you go down that pathway. You go down that pathway. You go down that pathway. Okay, so first of all, the brain changes. So you become desensitized to pleasure. You don't enjoy life anymore. Secondly, you become hypersensitized to lust. Anything can trigger it. And thirdly, your willpower becomes crippled. This for me is the worst. It's like there were these boundaries or these walls around the garden of your mind. And suddenly these walls are gone. And evil can just flood in. You have no way to resist it. The process of sensitization and desensitization impacts what's called the prefrontal cortex in the brain. Say prefrontal. Prefrontal. Come on, you can do this. It impacts the front part of your brain. As dopamine receptors degenerate in the brain, changes take place in the prefrontal lobes. This region of the brain is responsible for our willpower, regulating our behavior and making decisions based on wisdom and morals. Normally, when emotions, impulses, and urges surge from the midbrain, 
The prefrontal lobes are there to exercise executive control. So emotions and things come from your middle of the brain, and it speaks to the front. Now, the front part of the brain must say yes or no. It's the, it's the walls around the garden of your heart and mind. But when this region is weakened by continual porn use or whatever other form of sexual sin, willpower is eroded. Willpower is eroded, and there is nothing to stop the sense of craving for pornography or whatever else. As a result, the person experiences the urge, not just as a desire, but as an intense need. It's like, I need water. That's, it becomes an intense need. This person has no longer mastery over his passions, but he's a slave to them. He becomes a slave. Walls are down. Emotions have been stirred, and he's drawing a person away into it. And what they say is the prefrontal part of the brain, it is what makes us human. This part, the front part, that allows you to make logical decisions, willpower, it's what differentiates us from the animal world. So the more this degenerates, what happens? You become less human. You literally become less human. You become more animalistic. And it does seem, if we look at our society in general, it does seem that it is becoming more animalistic when it comes to sexual sins and sexual things. Pornography is addictive like a cocaine. It takes you deeper and deeper. And if you're a parent here, I know Sonic and I have spoken about this often. I want to protect my child. I want to protect, I want to make sure he doesn't get exposed to rubbish. But if he does, he's going to know what to do. He's going to know how to handle it. He's going to know, run, boyki, run. And so we also need to. There's no way to have intimacy with Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here, and you want intimacy with Jesus, male or female, and, you're, and there are fantasies in your heart and running in your mind, and it's continuously drawing you to other places and other people, you cannot have intimacy with God. But there's good news. There is good news. The way out. Please read through the, the document at home. I just want to highlight just one or two things. just want to read a few scriptures. And we're going to pray for people. The good news is, there's a heavenly gardener, our heavenly father, Jesus Christ, who's come to set us free. Not condemn us, not point a finger at us, but actually set us free. So I want us to read the scripture, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Let's read it all together, just to allow it to soak over your own heart. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can... Uh, sorry. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Ah, oh, this is good news. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've done or what has been done to you. It doesn't matter what the past looks like. What looks, what, what, what's important to understand now, God loves you. And he is ready. He is a brilliant gardener. He's ready. He's got all the tools. He wants to storm into this garden and he wants to cut off and rip out the weeds and build a wall, help you build a wall around the garden of your heart and mind so that you can say no. Become truly human again. To become truly who God has destined you to be. And he says there, 
He has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Come out of the darkness into his light. Out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. You are chosen by him. So shine light. Shine light. Light destroys the power of sin. Nothing is as powerful as just shining light and tell somebody. Tell somebody. Get help. Secondly, pull out the toxic plants. That, those ungodly thinking processes. Romans 12 verse 2. Let's read this together. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Isn't that amazing? Let God transform you through the renewing of your mind. By saying, I'm not going to fall for that lie anymore that sex equals intimacy. I am not going to fall for that lie that sexual fantasies will bring peace and joy and rest to my soul. Those are lies. I renounce it. I'm going to build these walls. So that's the third one. Build walls around your mind. Draw the line. Say, these are my boundaries. You see, it's rare that a man, a married man, would get into bed with another woman without having a journey there. Like pornography. That stirs those desires and it builds and it builds and it builds and then you find yourself in trouble. So you need to draw a line. What are you going to expose your eyes to? What are you going to expose the garden of your heart to? Sonic and I, we don't watch certain types of movies. We once went to, once went to watch, a, like it was a romance movie. Age restriction was 10. So they're not showing anything, but everybody's jumping in bed with someone else everywhere. So we got up and we walked out. Stuff you. We are not going to allow toxic seeds into our hearts and minds because we want an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Media is powerful. Do not underestimate the power of media. I mean, they did a study years ago. Uh, the movie Top Gun came out with Tom Cruise years ago, and he had these funky Ray-Ban shades on. Over the next month, they sold millions. It was, I want, I want that. I want that. So media tells us, this is good. This is good. Sex outside of marriage looks awesome. It is good. It is good. It's a lie. It's a toxic lie. It's a toxic lie. Perversion does not lead to life. God's way leads to life. You need to make up your mind. So make up your mind. Put down a boundary. I don't read such magazines. I don't go there. So let's just read this. 1 Peter 1, 13. Let's read together. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So they're saying, don't slip back. Don't go back. Let's say it. I'm not going back. Going forward to Jesus and his heart and his will. And then last one, cultivate new habits. Specifically, get the good seed. Get the good seed in the soil of your hearts. Get the good word, God's word in the soil of your hearts. It says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So powerful. 
But if you only expose yourself to ungodly media over and over and over again, and you're planting those toxic seeds in the soil of your hearts, what's going to grow? What's going to grow? Evil's going to grow. Evil plants, and then evil is drawn to that place. Gives access to the enemy. And so I know it's a massive challenge. We are bombarded from every side, from every side, from every side with media. Shocking media. The things that they give. I mean, we took out an animation for Vian. It was shocking. We had to put it off to five minutes. It was so scary. It was just like fear, fear, fear. Even for the kids. Because they want to plant those toxic seeds of fear. If you watch horror movies, do not be surprised if you are terrified of the boogeyman who's lying under your bed. Don't be, don't be surprised. Because you have opened your, the soil of your heart and you said, come in toxic fear seeds. And it's building, building, building. I think one of the most powerful things for me when, when I became a Christian was the freedom. Even as a, as, a, as a student, I remember not being afraid anymore. Just in the dark. I would go walking in the dark, in the middle of the night, random places, parks, like, not afraid of you, darkness. <laughs> not afraid of the lies you've sold to me as a teenager. All the movies I've watched, I'm not going to sell, I'm not going to fall for those lies. You're small, devil, you're small. You're powerless. The freedom of being a Christian where you, you, you have no shame, no guilt, Nothing to hide. Come, you can see it. You can see my whole life. Clean, pure. It's absolutely liberating. It's one of the best things of being a Christian. You have the power to say no. I want the good stuff. And so I just want to hold this before you. God loves you. There's incredible shame that comes with sexual issues. But I'm reminded of this one story. I'm ending off with this. Jesus was, I think it was near Jerusalem or somewhere, and the Pharisees caught a woman in adultery. She was just in the act of adultery. And she was brought to Jesus. And she was thrown to the ground. And they wanted Jesus to stone the woman. Because the, word, the Old Testament says you must stone the adulterer. So they, they, they were wanting to set this up. I can just imagine the fear on that lady's face, knowing I'm going to die now. I'm going to get stoned now. I'm dead. And it's all these people. It's so shameful. And here I'm standing before, kneeling before the most holy being on the face of the earth. He's never sinned. He's never thought a sinful thought. He is holy. God is holy. Jesus. And the response is just incredible. The response is just incredible. Jesus' response to this woman has just committed adultery. And he asked her, women, where are your accusers? Because he just put all of them in their place, saying, the one without sin, throw the first stone. And then conviction hit everyone. And one by one, all these religious leaders left the place. And it was just Jesus and this woman left. And it's amazing that Jesus said, the one without sin, throw the stone. Okay, so anybody without sin? In this house? Okay, cool. We just got that out of the way. We are all sinners that needs a Savior. 
We all make mistakes. We all miss the mark. Sin is missing God's heart, his mark for our lives. And the amazing thing is Jesus stands there with this woman. He asks her, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. There's no one. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Isn't that powerful? The most holy being that this universe knows. The one who has never sinned. I mean, if I was as holy as Jesus, I would clap a few people. You know, why can't you be better? Uh, You know, but the love of God, the love of God looks at this woman who has just been caught. She just did it. And says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. It's so powerful. So I want to say to every one of us here, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you have been through. It doesn't matter the disappointments you've experienced in, in, in the area of your sexuality or any other area. Jesus says to you right now, neither do I condemn you. Now, get up, go, sin no more. Do what you need to do to walk in purity. Do what you need to do to live a life of freedom. But the moment you experience guilt and condemnation and it sits on you, does it help you to break out of sin? It doesn't. It takes you deeper. Because you're trying to do it in your own ability. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. But get free. Whatever you need to do. And so there are some of us that I feel you need to reposition your standards of what you expose yourself to. You need to reposition. You need to go evaluate. Is Is this helping? Is this toxic? Anything can be music, it can be movies, it can be internet, it can be magazines. If you, ladies, if you look at those magazines the whole time and they're so skinny and they say look so pretty and it's fake. So you're going to read that, you're going to look in the mirror, I'm fat. Now you're perfect. But if you look at those things, you're going to feel fat. Put the stuff in the rubbish bin. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to release hope over you. There is freedom. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Grace abounds much more. In Jesus' name.